ഇപ്പം As we go into this series, um, Satan does not want us to go into this series. If there's one thing that can stop him dead in his tracks, it's prayer. One thing that can stop him is prayer. And um, as I was preparing the message this week, um, uh, it really, it, it's, we're in our War Room series here. Uh, Kent, we're gonna we're gonna try this. Kent's playing double duty up there. But whenever you know there's technical issues, you know Satan's you know working, and of course it's not working. So Kent, you're gonna have to be my guy today. So if you could just give us that first slide, and then just be ready, on, quick on the draw for me this morning. Um, there is spiritual war, warfare, you know, really uh, ramped up whenever we go into a series of prayer. And um, even, it's amazing what Satan will throw your way just to get you off your game. Um, you know, God has really been speaking to me this week about this message, and it may have been just for me. If it's just for me, then please forgive me. Just, just humor me and just listen anyways, okay? But I have to believe it's for someone more than just me. Um, but even this morning, thank the Lord for honest people. What do I mean by that? Uh, we left the house this morning, and we, we pulled out on 39, and I took off, and, and um, we actually uh, went and picked up Jagger, and so we turned left onto 39, and we're going out of town. We're going towards uh, Walnut Creek. That's the direction that we're going. And we're passing um, we're ODOT workers. I believe they're ODOT. They're, they're painting the lines on the road. Some of you may have crossed them, passed them today on the way here, and... Um, And, and I'm start, starting to go out on 39, I'm getting up to 35, 45, 50 mile an hour, and all of a sudden I hear a thump, something hit my roof in the back of my car. I'm thinking, man, what is that? And I looked in my rearview mirror, and, and something had apparently fallen off of one of the ODOT trucks and hit my car, and, you know, damaged, I'm thinking it's damaged my car. And uh, um, come to turn out, it was my phone that I left on the top of my car. <laughs> Now, th this is one of those phones, you know, you know, I'm of that generation, you kind of get excited about your phones and everything, and, and this is one of those Samsung, and some of you are thinking, there's your problem right there, right? It's not an iPhone, it's an Samsung. We won't go there, that's another message, but anyways. So, uh, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Well, this is one of those toys that I got excited about, it's the Samsung Note Edge, and it's got the little stylus to it, and I can write on it, and I really use it a lot, and... Um, And it wasn't, you know, cheap, and uh, so, and the screen is just done. Totally cracked, totally shattered. Do you remember me telling that story about Parker uh, busting my TV? <laughs> I have nothing on him now. This is mine. And what ended up happening is the ODOT worker saw this fly off my car, and he picked it up. There's a credit card or two in here. And um, it's still there, uh, thank the Lord. But um, he called the phone, and I believe, I think he, somehow he found a number to the church, I think. And he called the church on my phone or something. Somehow they got a hold of us. And thank goodness for honest ODOT workers. Amen? Um, the, the reason I tell you that, it's kind of a silly little story, but I'll be honest with you, that, that upset me this morning when I did. you ever do something stupid like that? You? All the time. Nathan says all the time. <laughs> yeah, what's so smart about that, right? Um, but this morning I'm thinking, I just ruined it. There's a lot of money. And, and I felt just disturbed in my spirit. And I thought, Satan will use anything. Something as silly as a stupid phone. It still works. I'm going to use it until I can't use it anymore. But his name is Tim, so if you think of Tim, thank the Lord for Tim and pray for Tim at, at ODOT this morning. Uh, but, and thank Brian. Brian went out and tracked him down, and they were headed east on 39. And uh, while we were practicing, Brian went down to the New Philly exit where they have the Sheets gas station. That's where he found these guys and picked up my phone. So, Brian, thank you. 
I appreciate it. That is out of the way. I feel God's spirit. I feel his presence. So he is defeated in the name of Jesus Christ. So we are going to move ahead with the message this morning. I believe many of you have seen the movie War Room. Um, A powerful reminder, a powerful tool of what prayer can do. This past Wednesday we showed the movie and I guess you could say we officially began our series on this. So on Sundays and on Wednesdays our topic is going to be prayer, it's going to be war room. Is there another slide, Kent? All right. That's going to be the title of this first message this morning. Um, This morning's message, I'm just going to let you know up front, may not be as tantalizing as last week's message on alcohol in the church. I know that created a lot of buzz. I had a lot of comments from you after the service, but today might not be quite as tantalizing as that. But the Lord has led me to uh, preach and talk this morning about our approach. What our approach should be as we go into this series. Because our approach and our attitude going into this will greatly affect how we come out of this. We say that again. Our approach and our attitude going into not just this series, but our approach and our attitude as we go into prayer will greatly determine how we come out of it. There's no doubt that God expects us to pray, but you don't have to answer this, but whenever I first say the word pray, what comes to your mind? Well, if we were honest with ourselves, we would have to say Talk to God, communicating to God, giving God our requests and our burdens and our needs. It's, that's what most of us would probably think about. But what if I were to tell you that's all wrong? You've got it wrong. I've got it wrong. As I was reviewing this message yesterday in my home, I just, my home became holy ground. My living room, do you know that you can have a holy ground experience no matter where you're at? You can have a holy ground experience as you're driving down the road to work. You can have a holy ground experience there in the middle of the grocery store. You can have a holy ground experience wherever you're at if God decides to show up. God showed up in our home yesterday and just confirmed this message even more. What if I were to tell you that if that is our approach about request and requesting our needs is all wrong? I may have given this illustration before. Some of you may not have heard of it. But what if just magically, somehow, someway, Kent, next slide, if these individuals just showed up here today, just showed up, Abraham Lincoln or uh, who is that guy? That's Michelangelo to the right of him or Moses or Aristotle. What would happen if these men just magically appeared in front of us this morning? What would you do? Would you just stand there in awe and in amazement? Would you be even able to breathe? Or would you immediately begin engaging them in a conversation, immediately engaging them in nonstop conversation? More than likely, most of us, at least for the first few moments, we wouldn't be able to say a thing. We'd go, wow. Do you realize, do I realize, that every day we have an audience with the one, capital O, we have an audience with the one who created the universe, who created the galaxies, and most of the time with us it's just non-stop talk. Is that right? That's what we do, isn't it? Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2 says this, Walk prudently when you go to the house of God. And draw near to hear rather than to give the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they do evil. Do not be rash with your mouth. Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven. and You're on earth. Therefore, Let your words be few. 
Let that sink in for a second. We ought to be very careful as we approach God's throne. Draw near to hear. How many times did we just launch right into a request? How many times did we just launch right into our burdens? God, I need you to do this. God, I need you to do that. Do not be rash with your mouth. James tells us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For God is in heaven, and we're on earth, so let our words be few. Immediately we see that the most, most of the time, we probably have it all wrong. Yes, God wants us to launch into those times of request and burdens and spiritual warfare. And I believe that I believe that's the majority of how our um, our study and series is going to go. But I I couldn't get out of I couldn't get away from our approach even before we come to God, even before we even before we say a word. Even before we launch into our request or our needs or our burdens or our what we want God to do, our to-do list for God. How should we enter the presence of God? Let me try and give a little perspective. This blew my mind. Galaxies. I don't know how the scientists know this, but they know these things. The closest galaxy, go ahead, Kent, next slide. The closest galaxy to our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, is called the Canis Major Dwarf Galaxy. I don't know if you can really see that from here. Um, I'll try and explain this. Um, the top left uh, little line says that's the sun. Is that if we were to be in a rocket ship somehow here on Earth and we were to take off, and the moment we took off, we were going the speed of light it would still take us 25,000 years to reach the nearest galaxy. Folks, do you realize that there are over 350 billion galaxies out there? How do they know that? I don't know. But there are 350 billion galaxies out there. If it takes us 25,000 years to get to the closest one at light speed, how long would it take us to get to the furthest galaxy? That's our God. Does that not just that right there alone make you go? Why did he create those galaxies? Why are they there? They were there thousands and thousands of years before we even recognized they were there. Are they just accessories for our pleasure? Or are they there so that we'll go, wow, God, forgive me for thinking it's all about me. Somebody say amen. God, forgive me for thinking it's just about me. God, forgive me for the times that I have entered your presence and it's been a one-sided conversation. See, folks, how we enter the presence of God is so important. So important. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their, wor and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Do you realize that the universe is the tabernacle for the sun. God has made the universe just so he can put the sun. He can give the sun its own tabernacle. Can we begin to sense the approach that we should be having as we go into times of prayer? Perhaps we've had it all wrong. 
back in the ancient days with, with the kings in their kingdoms. If a common person wanted to have an audience with the king, if he wanted to approach the throne room, he would enter the room, and if the king found favor, I don't know if I mentioned this in another message, but if the king found favor with that common person, he would extend his golden scepter to them. And he would say, you have permission to speak. He would grant the golden scepter of acceptance to them. Do you realize that every time we go into prayer, we are seeking God's acceptance? We are speaking an audience with the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And what should our attitude be as we go into those times with the King? How should we approach? I think we have forgotten. I think we have forgotten. We've forgotten how to approach our King. We have forgotten our need to worship. Worship is our first point. Kent, I think that's up there. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. When we come before God, we need to worship Him. We need to honor Him. We need to respect Him in the very attitudes of our hearts as we approach His throne. First Chronicles 16.23 says, Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim the good news of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations, His wonders among all the peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is also to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before Him. Strength and gladness are in His place. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come before Him. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. God has given us life and all of His creation to remind us of who and what He is. His art, His handiwork, His creation. They shout the truth that He is glorious and He is worthy. He is to be worshipped, church. He is to be praised. There is no other God. He is the only God. Every other God is just man-made. It's amazing how mankind wants to create their own gods and turn it into the God. I found this out this morning. It was amazing. I was just tweaking some things in my iPad here. And even technology leans towards this. What do I mean by that? As I was typing this out, I typed out the word God, little g. Okay, I was trying to get it in my mind that man has created their little gods. But every time I kept trying to make the little G and I would hit the space, it would make it a big G. Okay? I would try and do little God and I'd hit a space and say, no, you want the God. I kept trying to make it something that it wasn't. It kept trying to make it. Here is a newsflash. Mankind can try as hard as they want to make a lowercase God into their uppercase God, capital G, but there is still only one God, only one Lord. Isaiah 45, 5 says, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no other God besides me, God says. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the beginning and the end. He is the one who was and is and is to come. And this is our attitude, church. Maybe I can affect just one person this morning because I couldn't talk yesterday in my home because I realized, God, forgive me because I enter your presence Without the worship that I need. I enter your presence. I enter the throne room of God and sometimes it's almost cavalier. 
You do that too, don't you? We all do that. We are to worship the Lord. Worship. Somewhere along the way, I think we've got it all wrong. We've lost the art of worship in our prayer time. I would encourage some of you who enjoy doing this or however, there's so many different ways to just worship the Lord. Go take a walk. My goodness, on a day like today, it should not be hard to praise the Lord. It should not be hard to worship the Lord on a day like today. Yesterday, I just put my headphones on in my living room and I was up before anyone else got up and I just began to listen to instrumental songs. And I felt the presence of God. Man, that's a sweet time. You ever have those times? You ever have those times to where you just enter into worship and you're overcome? You're listening to a song, you're, you're doing something, or whatever it might be, and you're just overcome with the power and the presence of God. I remember years ago, I was traveling uh, to uh, visit my sister and her husband. This is a number of years ago, and I was in the car, and, and uh, I was listening to worship music, and I was so overwhelmed, I was so overcome, I had a hard time even getting out of the car. I went into Kim and Ty's house and, and I said, I just, I just need some time. I, I just, I, there, God has come over me. And, and listen, I'm not advocating man-made emotion. I'm not advocating anything that is not of God, okay? But when I went into their home, I said, I just need some time. And I went and I found a closet. And I just went in the closet and I just had the glory of God was there. I believe God wants to bless us with those times in our life. That might not happen every day. But man, are we seeking, are we entering the presence of God, the throne room of God, with a spirit of worship? I have a lot of ground to cover. I have to keep going. Somewhere along the way, I think we've lost something as we go into His presence. We've lost something. We've lost the spirit of worship. We've lost something else as well. As Francis Chan put it, I thought this was good. Wow, God will not be tolerated. You hear that? God will not be tolerated. He instructs us to worship and fear Him. Church, I fear that we've lost the fear. We need to get back to worshiping God, and can't, we need to get back to the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. We're so busy and surrounded by hundreds of distractions today. Things that keep us from remembering who and what God is. There's the TV and there's music and there's recreational activities and there's community responsibilities. There's time spent on our houses. Yards. Boy, yard work started up this week, didn't it? How much of our time was taken up with that? What's, I understand that needs to be a part of life. Hours spent on our shattered phones. Time spent on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, surfing the internet, video games, and we are never still long enough. I say a out to that, not really amen. We are never still long enough. And when we're not still, we lose the speechless. We lose the awe. We lose the reverence. We lose the being overwhelmed. And when we lose that, we lose the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord should dictate every step of our life. Do we have a healthy fear of the Lord? Psalm 112.1, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. Proverbs 22.4, by humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Psalm 34, 7, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear Him and delivers them. The Apostle John, while he was on the Isle of Patmos, had a near-death experience just seeing the vision that God placed before them. Kent, Revelation tells us that. Next. Is it up there? No. Thank you. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid, I am the first and the last. 
You know, when we hear illustrations like I shared just a few moments ago about the galaxies and the things that make us go, wow, what do we do? We oftentimes forget it and we go back to our distracted life. When this happens, not only have we lost our worship of God, we've lost our fear of God. Be careful. Don't lose that healthy fear of the Lord. The question is this morning... How do we regain a healthy worship? How do we regain a healthy fear of the Lord? How can we go into this series on prayer right now with the right attitude and right approach? What if we've kind of gotten away with some of these things? Let me give you a couple of things to remember. A couple of things that we can ponder this morning. First, Kent, we need to remember that our God is a holy God. Our God is a holy God. We will get to that verse in just a second. Why is it important to us for us to remember that our God is a holy God? Well, listen, who wants to serve and follow a God that is not better than us, right? Think about that. Would you want to pray to a God who is not perfect in all of his ways? And then would you want to give your entire life to a God who is not perfect in all of his ways? And I say no to that. Praise God, this is not the case. Isaiah ran into this God of ours and he was never the same. Go ahead, Kent. Isaiah, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Now stop right there. Do you get that? The train of his robe. Ladies, when you come down the aisle in your wedding gown, you have a train right to your, to your gown, to your wedding dress. That day, the train of God filled the entire temple where Isaiah was having that vision. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of Him who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, woe is me. Do you remember what we talked about last week? What the word woe means? Woe means cursed. It means damned. That's how Isaiah was feeling almost under the presence of God. He said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Folks, dwell on the holiness of your God. He is perfect in all of His ways. He is pristine. He is pure. He is whiter than white. Kent, go back one screen for me. R.C. Sproul, some of you may have heard this before. R.C. Sproul says that the ancient Hebrew scribes always had a practice that when they wanted to emphasize something, they would do it in writing. But when they wanted to really emphasize something, they would write it two times. But when they were trying to describe something that was indescribable, when they were trying to describe something that there were no human words to describe, you know what they would do? They would say it three times. And here Isaiah was led to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hope. No other attribute, listen to this, no other attribute about God is ever mentioned, is ever repeated three times other than holy. Not love. You won't hear God described as love, love, love. Not mercy, not justice, not wrath, but holy. The holiness of God. This tells us that the holiness of God cannot be emphasized, overemphasized. God cannot be exaggerated. Oh, if we could just catch a glimpse of God's holiness. If we could ponder on the holiness of God as we pray to God, I do not know that we'll ever be the same. Folks, let me just say this. 
there are times, I'm trying to make times now when I go into prayer, when I don't say a word. I suggest you try that sometime. Don't say a word. Just be in the presence of God. Let me, let me make one more quick point about the holiness of God. The holiness of God is, is something that should not only affect how we approach God. Now hear me out on this. It should not only affect how we approach God, it should affect the conditions of our heart as we approach God. We had better take our approach to the throne of God very seriously because not only did our God say in 1 Peter 1.16, Be ye holy as I am holy. He also said in the verse before that, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. What does that mean? It means that we are to be godly and holy in how we walk and how we talk, how we treat one another within the walls of the church, how we treat people outside of the walls of the church. We cannot enter the throne room of God if there is any area of our life that is out of kilter. Do you hear me on that, church? We cannot enter the throne room of God if there is something not right in our heart. If God is going to extend His golden scepter to us when we approach His throne room in prayer, a prayer, not only must we come humbly, not only must we come with a spirit of worship, not only must we come with a spirit of the fear of the Lord, we would also need to come with hearts that are free and clear of any obstructions in our heart. We could be the very ones that are hindering the work of the Holy Spirit. If you remember that line in the movie as Clara was talking to Elizabeth, do you remember that one part to where Elizabeth, all she was doing was just rattling off one thing, one negative thing after another about her husband? And Clara told her, you need to get your heart right with God first. You need to deal with any hindrances that are in your heart first, and then allow God to move. You're getting quiet on me. Is that not important? That if there's something that's out of kilter in our life, if we approach the throne room of God and we try to experience this presence, there's going to, there's going to be a blockage, there's going to be a wall, or let alone if we even begin to try to pray about other, uh, other things, God will reveal to you. He will let you know, hey, you, know, you're, you, you want to talk about all these requests, you want to talk about your burdens, but I want to talk about that thing that's going on in your life. I want to deal with that thing that is not right in your life, and then we can talk about these other things. Because God's first interest is you and Him. I don't have it right now, but I remember reading in Psalm, David talked about there that there were times, he, he admitted that there was nothing sinful in his life, in his heart, when he approached God. It is possible for that to happen. We can have clear and free title with our time with God. I need to go. Next, we need to remember that our God is an eternal God. Remember these things as you're going into his presence. Our God is an eternal God. Eternal is one of those things that we can't grasp, we can't put our, wrap our minds around. Our life revolves around beginnings and ends, do they not? There is a beginning, there is an end. Our life revolves around time. Examples, today's service, it has started, and you're praying, hopefully it will come to an end soon, some of you are saying. Everything about life, think about it. Lunch, after service, we're going to have lunch, but at some point in time, that is going to end. Our day today will end, Lord willing. We will get up tomorrow, it begins and it ends. It just seemed like yesterday that we brought Parker home from Altman Hospital and in a few weeks he's going to be graduating. God help us. Even to that chapter, that however many years, 12 years, there is a beginning and there is an end. It never ceases to amaze me how some people try to make God fit into what they think he should be. 
They try to put God and all he is into the sphere of their own comprehension and their own understanding. And when he does something that they don't like or they don't understand, they cease believing in him. Having this kind of concept of who and what God is is like trying to fit God, who is as big as all the oceans combined, trying to fit God into our tiny, puny little brains. Which is probably about the size of a drop of water. It's impossible. God cannot be explained by finite minds, nor does he depend or operate on time, folks. He created time. This should blow our minds just to know that the one that we are approaching in prayer has no beginning and he will never have an end. It should humble us and it should cause us to be still in his presence. Psalm 102. But you, O Lord, shall endure forever in the remembrance of your name to all generations. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. Next, our God is an all-knowing God. Talk about, now think about that, Talk about something that should leave you in awe. Have you ever had one of those moments in your life where you said, man, am I glad that person did not know what I was thinking? Right? Um, I don't know what some of you think about them. You either love them or you hate them. But uh, remember those uh, Christmas Hallmark movies, you know, a couple months ago? Some of you probably get into those. Steph and I watch some of them at times. But I remember there was this one episode to where something happened to this lady and she was overcome. She had a change or something. And she could not help but actually speak the words of what she was thinking. I mean, if she thought it, she couldn't help it. It came out. Is that not scary and funny at the same time? Yeah. How many of you would be in trouble right now if that was you? We don't want to have to say that's me. We get ourselves in trouble, don't we? We can't hide anything from God, though. He knows all things about us. He already knows everything that we are thinking even before we think of it. This should be both intimidating and comforting. Kent, Psalm 139 I'm just saying his first name now. By the time we're done, we're going to have a pattern. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. This tells us, next verse, 14 through 16, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were None of them. Look, there is no place, church, that you or I can go where God is not there and where God does not know what is taking place. This should create a humility. This should create that fear of the Lord in our hearts. And I think all we would need to do at that time is the next verse, same chapter, verse 23. Search me, O God. (laughs) Know my heart. Try me. Know my anxieties and see if there is anything wicked in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. One more point, then I'm done. How do we remember? What should we be thinking about as we go into the presence of God? We need to remember that our God is an all-powerful God. Our God is an all-powerful powerful God. Job was trying to defend his innocence before man and before God until God one day had had enough. And this is God now speaking to Job. 
Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors. When I said, this far you may come, but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. Where were you, Job? Colossians 1.16 For by him, capital H, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Psalm 115.3 But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Yet how many times do we act like God was created for us? That God is there to do what we want Him to do. Do we realize that God owes us nothing? You realize that, church? God owes us nothing. He does not even owe us the air that we breathe. He holds the delicate balance of life and death in His hands. And to think that this God allows us to approach His throne, that He extends His golden scepter of acceptance to us. The fact that God is indeed all-powerful should make us approach His throne in fear and trembling, should cause us to stop acting as though we know what's best, we know what we need in life should cause us to stop whining and complaining about the way we think that we, we think things should be. Listen, when we get to create our own universe, then maybe we can make up our own rules. But that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. But it can also fill us with an unending sense of hope, knowing that He is able to do all that He said He can do. It should cause us to be still and know that he is God. One more thing. Turn to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4 and then I'm through. This is uh, the Apostle John taken in the Spirit, describing the throne room of God. This morning, church, as we close and as we enter this series, yes, I believe that we're going to learn things and we're going to draw closer to Him in our prayer life and we're going to go into spiritual battle about various things and the various needs in your life. I believe that God's going to help us work through them. But I just felt so strong to deliver this message, that how we enter the presence of God, we don't own God. He owns us. Listen to Revelation 4, and then we'll close. Starting with verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one, capital O, one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. 
The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and by Your will they exist and were. Maybe sometime, folks, before you pray, you need to read Revelation chapter 4. This is the throne room of God. This is is what is taking place even as we speak. The elders are bowing down, saying, Holy, holy, holy. This morning I implore you, to go into this prayer time the right way. Check our hearts for anything that might be out of kilter. Get our hearts right with God. Let's worship the Lord. Fear the Lord. Then let our words be few. There is a song that I just want to play in closing today, and then I'm going to ask Luis to come up and close us. I don't know how this has impacted you. Um, I know that I can't expect my holy ground from experience yesterday to come and hear this morning. I do believe God is with us. I do believe the Holy Spirit is here. And that we need to be reminded of the right way to enter His presence. Sometimes, folks, we just need to be still. Father God, I'm not going to say much. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to enter your presence. God, may there be a holy hush. Thank you, Lord, that you allow us to give you our burdens and our needs, but God, And we change the way that we approach you. For you are in heaven. And we are here on earth. So God, let our words be few. Amen. Jesus, I